from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. And it's been really cool, like, seeing these sentences taken out of an entire body of work and how they just, they have a whole new meaning on a wall. And they really introduced um, and reaffirmed in the minds of all of us uh, at Paul Art Space uh, this notion of community and, and how community can be defined mm-hmm. and how art and art's function can be explored and defined. Maybe they don't want a residence, a physical residence. They want like an emotional residence. I'm Sarah Fenske. Nearly a decade ago, Mike Bailey decided to transform his family's quiet property in Florissant into a unique resource for artists and writers. He called it Paul Art Space, and since 2013, the nonprofit has hosted about 100 artists across the world in its free residency program. Now Paul Art Space is changing its focus and pulling away from that property, and Mike Bailey joins us today to explain why. So, Mike, welcome. Great. Thank you so much, Sarah. Nice to be here. And we're also joined today by community board member Marianne Laurie. She is also the curator and director of programs at the Granite City Art and Design District. So, Marianne, welcome. Thank you so much. Hi. So, Mike, you have a personal connection to Paul Art Space, both the organization and the property that it's long been based on. How did this organization and this founding home in Florissant come together? Right, Sarah. So it um, it goes back many years. Uh, probably the beginning of that idea was uh, w- once upon a time when I was in graduate school. And um, the idea of, uh, of, of finding a way to, to build community uh, within the arts and for the arts. And um, and this is a property, as, as you noted, that's been in my family for many years. Uh, my uncle had that property until he passed away in 2011. And then uh, upon that time, uh, my partner and I were able to acquire the property. And um, it was shortly after that that we launched Paul Art Space in 2013. So I got to ask, it's such a unique name for an arts organization. Where did the name Paul Art Space come from? So that is a little bit of a nod to Uncle Paul. Uh, who had the property. Okay. And, um, you know, very generous person, a big person in my life. And uh, so it was just a bit of a shout out. So, Marianne, you got involved as a volunteer about three years ago. What made this organization appealing to you? Gosh, I mean, I've been friends with Mike and Jesse and other members of Paul Art Space for so long. So that that already was so intriguing to me that there are a bunch of friends that had the same mindset of how to encourage people to be like more active in the arts community here so okay so this spoke to things you were already interested in yes yes connecting uh, art local artists to opportunities in st louis so of those artists you've had approximately a hundred artists get to enjoy these free residencies and that's a lot of st louis artists but it's also visitors from across the country from across the world um, is there any sort of common theme to who tended to take advantage of this opportunity well that's it's uh it's really amazing looking back on that, Sarah. And and one thing that I'm very proud of is that the organization very purposely structured its website to sort of hold it um, to, so that it can function as a repository of, 
of, of these artists uh, that have come through the program. And and so you can go to the website of Paul Art Space and see, you know, past residents and see uh, the click on hyperlinks to their mm-hmm. websites and just learn about their practice. But it was quite diverse and uh, by design uh, to support visual artists, writers, and curators. And uh, the notion was that we would always uh, try to set it up because we could house about three residents per session uh, that we could kind of put in a program uh, in, in one particular session of a of a writer, a curator, and a visual artist. And, and sometimes that combination would be a local artist, maybe a regional artist, and an artist from outside the states. So uh, it, it just has proven to be an incredibly fruitful and rich uh, model for, for building future projects and, and just a tremendously rich um, discussion. Is there a residency looking back, somebody that was here that kind of stands out to you as this was a cool one? <laughs> well, I, I, we oftentimes in the organization talk about our very first residents, which uh, uh, funny enough, were from or are from Ireland. Huh? And, uh, and so these uh, two artists came and they came in the summer of 2013. And they really introduced um, and reaffirmed in the minds of all of us uh, at Paul Art Space uh, this notion of community and, and how community can be defined mm-hmm. and how art and arts function can be explored and defined. And uh, I think they, uh, they're they in many ways uh, great ambassadors, not only to us as an organization thinking about the work that we would go on to do, um, but uh, I think to the community that they got to visit for close to three months in that summer of 2013. Hmm. Marianne, hearing Mike talk about this, I imagine with this organization, you must just meet the coolest people. Yes, and actually the artists that he just referred to were the first, my one of my first connections to Paul Art Space. Um, I just remember meeting them. I actually ran a gallery on Cherokee Street for a while, and so Mike introduced me to these two artists, and like, their idea was so absurd. Just, I think they were doing some work with like crystals or rocks or something, and right. and it was just so absurd. But I was like, wow, like there's not very many opportunities to explore like rocks and like crystals as a medium. But like if there's any space around, like Paul Art Space is the space that you can do it, and like there's absolutely no limitations or rules. So this all sounds so amazing. I feel like I'm totally on board. I love this. Like, let's send these cool international artists to Florissant. But right. you're kind of moving away from that. Uh, Mike, why is that? Right. Well, that's right, Sarah. Um, so it's, uh, I, you know, it's a culmination of many things. Um, I think that we as an organization had begun really asking the difficult questions of, of what is the model going forward? How do we uh, find a way to continue doing the work uh, that, that we, uh, we say we do in our mission? And um, even though that property was in place for this uh, nonprofit, uh, at, at no cost to the nonprofit, uh, there are still just tremendous amounts of expenses to maintain that property, to pay the taxes for that property, uh, to you know pay the insurance for such a program as this. And we found that as a very small arts organization, um, you know we we were fortunate to find and still find support, uh, but oftentimes that support would have to go to uh, operational expenses. And mm-hmm. and I think we see going forward by moving away from that physical space. Um, we can take the spirit of what Paul Art Space is and this notion of community and bringing folks together through uh, through the arts, and we can uh, take our resources and really put put that uh, to that effort. And so you're still going to be offering residencies, but people aren't necessarily or just aren't going to Florissant. Where are they going to go? Right. So that therein lies, um, you know, the the notion of partnerships, and um, you know, Paul Art Space has been very fortunate to enjoy. Uh, partners over the years. And uh, as we continue doing the work that we do, 
they uh, uh, partners step up and offer to help out. So, for instance, um, we had uh, scheduled for this past summer. Uh, uh, one of our programs is with our sister city in Stuttgart, Germany, and there was an artist scheduled to come, uh, and uh, everything was put in place with, through with our friends uh, at the Kranzberg Arts Foundation. We had studio space provided for them. The organization, Paul Art Space, was paying for um, for a month-long rental of like an Airbnb kind mm-hmm. of situation. And so all these things were in place, but uh, unfortunately, like it has done with so many things, the pandemic, uh, you know, sort of squashed that. International <laughs> travel is hard right now. That's, that's true. That's but, true. But the idea is sort of an Airbnb. You'll find the right housing for the that's person right. who you choose to come. That's right. So in, in that sense, we sort of shift uh, and not being sort of that physical space and fluorescent, but we still maintain the work of being the facilitator uh, to uh, to create this program, these programs and to support these programs. Marianne, do you feel like there's opportunity there that maybe there's different spots that might be a better fit for certain people. Absolutely. I think, I mean, where you are located or where Paul Art Space was located, I mean, it's an amazing space, but I think you are limited by the location. And a lot of times people are like, oh, this might be too far from me or I'm just not familiar with the area. So opening up the entirety of St. Louis to Paul Art Space programming is such an exciting way to move forward. Mike, have you found that not every artist that you want to support wants a physical space? Maybe they don't want a residence, a physical residence. They want like an emotional residence. Right. No, it's it's that's a great question, um, Sarah. And I and I think that that's the thing about Paul Art Space. And as as we are a a, a, a small and nimble organization, we find we listen to uh, the the residents. We find what they are looking for, and uh, if we can uh, connect that to our resources, our network to find ways to support them, then we absolutely do. And I think that you're right in in this world that we're now in because of the pandemic um, and with technologies that we have, uh, there are new models that are emerging. Um, And and I think the notion of of a remote residency is a model that is there. Hmm. And and I think that part of what we do as uh, facilitators of the arts and, and builders of community is that we say we don't have to be in this physical space. We can be in a space that we work together to sort of identify and define as community that we want to support and build. So you're going to continue to solicit artists and writers to be a part of this. And then once you choose them, it'll sort of be a, an individual process of figuring out what makes sense. That's right, Sarah. So the, the new model for us is that uh, uh, individual or interested parties can visit the website and access a worksheet of sorts that they sort of, um, you know, f- complete. And then that is sent into the organization. And and if it's something that we see within our purview and our network and resources that we can get behind and support, then that's kind of how we embark on, an, on that new program or project. So that website that Mike just mentioned, that's paulartspace.org if you want to learn more about this. And our guests today are Mike Bailey. He's the founder of Paul Art Space, is now a board member. Uh, we're also joined by Marianne Lowry, who's a community board member. She's also the curator and director of programs at the Granite City Art and Design District. Marianne, I understand in addition to all these residencies, Paul Art Space has other things going on. And one of them is a project you led out at the airport. How did that come about? Oh, gosh, it's been a couple of years in the making. So about two years ago, we were talking about ways to get involved with the community. And there was this amazing opportunity at the airport to post an exhibition in one of their galleries. And so we applied for it with the intention of working 
particularly with past residents. Um, but due to all these changes at Polar Art Space, we were like, well, why limit ourselves to just former residents? Like, why not open it and introduce new artists to what's going on with the programming as well? Um, so yeah, it's been two years in the making, and it just uh, we finally got it, <laughs> it came to fruition. Um, but it's a really cool exhibition. It's loosely based around the theme of 100 years of aviation at the airport. Um, mm. And so we were thinking about like the location of the airport. With location comes identities, the landscape, um, certain situations that have happened, whether they're positive or negative. Um, and so we really just gave the artists involved like a very loose idea of what they should what type of work should be is a, a part of it. And then they just ran with that. So hmm. so that exhibit is called Long View. Um, yes. It opened just a couple weeks ago. It's going to be up at the gallery near the baggage claim until March <laughs> of 2022. Marianne, what's a piece in that exhibit that really stands out to you? Oh, gosh. I mean, they all do, to be honest. I'm asking you to choose between <laughs> your children here. I know, right? I mean, <laughs> it's been really interesting seeing what people came back with. Um, so PSA, they're a group in St. Louis who do, like, it's a public service announcement. They do a lot of text-based work, and so they work directly with the writers to pull out a sentence from their uh, from their submissions. And it's been really cool, like seeing these sentences taken out of an entire body of work and how they just they have a whole new meaning on a wall. Hmm. Um, so what PSA did really stood out to me. Um, another piece is just Rachel Yoon because their work is just abs- it's just so fun and like in in an airport which can kind of be a little bit of a stagnant place or a little bit you know. And the, a lot of emotions happening in the airport, and so it's really cool seeing Rachel Yoon's work, which is kind of a kinetic plant that's shaking and dancing in the middle of the airport, <laughs> surrounded by other fake plants that are... <laughs> I remember their work yeah. at the Contemporary Art Museum. Yeah. That's some pretty cool stuff, and certainly edgy yeah. for an airport. Oh, totally. Yeah, no. <laughs> yes. yeah. So That's great. So, so, Mike, I mean, it feels like you've moved away from the physical site, and in some ways you're sort of unleashing yourselves upon the world. Well, I think so, Sarah. I, you know, I think that uh, that that exhibition that uh, you were just discussing with uh, Marianne, it's a really, it, it's a, it's a point of pride because I think in so many ways it really sums up the future direction. I think that it it hits on all of the uh, areas that we have as an organization always wanted to support, and that's visual artists, writers, and curators. Um, it's getting into the community. It's bringing arts, uh, art to uh, individuals, and and sort of uh, creating possibility for space for that discourse um, so yeah and I and I think as you mentioned to the world through our partnerships with the uh, uh, sister cities uh, of uh, st. Louis uh, sister cities and Stuttgart they've been really good partners for us here locally and they help to support that exchange program with Stuttgart Germany uh, with which is a space there called the Gedok in Stuttgart it is kind of the counterpart to the Paul art space here in st. Louis we also have a sister city um, in Senegal I understand yes. that's on the horizon for Paul art space it's 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 a uh, it's a new uh, program that we're working towards. Um, I'm on faculty at UMSL in the Department of Art and Design. Uh, I was fortunate to receive support from UMSL Global to put towards that work. And so, it's uh, as as you described it, it is another sister city for St. Louis, Missouri, and that's one that we're looking at uh, bringing into this uh, this model. Hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot going on, and and I should mention here, Mike, you used to be the director of mm-hmm. this organization in addition to the founder, mm-hmm. and now you're kind of just. <laughs> 
use my quote marks here, you're just on the board and you're right. pushing for more communal leadership. What made you want to go in that direction? That's right, Sarah. I, I mean, I think a lot of it is just reflecting on the work that we've done and the work that we hope to continue doing going forward. And um, it is so much about community then I think the model of the organization should reflect that. And, and I think that, in part, is, is what led to some of that uh, decisions. So, Marianne, it's so hard for organizations that are entirely volunteer because everybody's busy with their day job, and then you get artists into it, and they don't just have a day job. They also have the art that they're making. Yeah, it's a whole lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is the board able to step up without having a, a strong director in place? Do you feel like this organization has the energy and has the organization it needs to, to do all this work and that there's so much enthusiasm for? Absolutely. I mean, I think the the whole group, the whole board, I mean, it's, it's such a dive. People coming from diverse backgrounds. There's writers, there's artists, there's everybody in between. And so, I mean, Mike and I were just talking before, two heads are better than one. So, like, when you think about 15 heads, I mean, just imagine all the things that can happen. Right, oh. right. And I, and I think, you know, to add on to that, part of the structuring of the board is the ancillary board. So there's advisory board, there's community board, and there's the executive board. And and it's uh, it's at that executive board level that all of sort of the the wonderful input and idea and support that Mary Ann's talking about that comes from the diversity of the ancillary boards leads to that executive board where the decisions are made to kind of um, move the move the ship forward. Mm. So, Mike, I want to bring it back um, to this physical space mm. in Florescent for our, our final minute here. Um, this is a space that is, has been in your family for a long time, and I understand that it's not going away just because the residencies aren't going to be there. In fact, you yourself have moved to that's this right. space. You're living there now. Well, that's true, Sarah. In many ways, it's, uh, it's a, a kind of a reality a check of feeling as though I've come full circle, and I don't know how I feel about that always, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, my partner and I I now live there. We had lived for 13 years in uh, the Bevo uh, neighborhood in South City, and we now live out there on the, the former grounds of Paul Art Space. And do you feel like you may do an occasional Paul Art Space event there just for old time's sake? Absolutely. It's it's definitely um, it, it's it's definitely going to happen. One of the things that we uh, do annually is that, or we did annually, was the uh, bonfires, and it was uh, it was really just a nice time to to have community out on the grounds uh, to come together. And I definitely see things like that continuing to happen in the space. Okay. So Paul Art Space continues, and Paul Art Space's home continues to be a place where people are talking about art and, and being inspired. Most definitely. Well, Mike Bailey, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Sarah. Uh, Mike is the founder of Paul Art Space and also associate chair at the University of Missouri-St. Louis's Department of Art and Design. I also want to thank Marianne Lowry. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And Marianne is a community board member of Paul Art Space and also curator and director of programs at the Granite City Art and Design District. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.